Hello and welcome to Clarissa Explains Life, episode number two. Um, so I got some great feedback from last week's podcast, my first ever podcast, which was, I suppose, a bit of an introduction to me and who I am. So this week I am going to talk about all things aging as a woman. Um, I mentioned it a bit last week about the fact I'm 52 and sort of middle-aged, I suppose, and how I felt about it, that it kind of freaked me out a little bit because, um, like, you kind of think in your head, I'm thinking I'm still sort of in my late 20s, early 30s. And it got me thinking about different aspects of ageing as a woman. I'm talking about woman because I am a woman and I've, like, this podcast is going to be about my experiences of certain things. So um, I got a few questions on my Instagram poll that, or not even questions, just a few things that came up. So I'm going to speak about them. Um, I'm going to talk about different elements of I suppose, say the past 10 years that I have experienced, so from sort of the 40s into the early 50s and the way I've experienced ageing in that sense, because I think you're kind of, you're put on hold a little bit from about between sort of early 20s to late 30s, you sort of tend to stay pretty much the same unless you have a trauma unless something happens to you you know unless you get a really sort of horrible disease or illness but for the majority of us who are just sort of tipping along um i think from about sort of early 20s up to late late 30s i kind of felt like the same person and then i started going into my 40s and lots of things changed a lot of more for the good than bad but the physical and the mental side of aging as a woman for me, I suppose in the lot more so in the last from about forty five is where I started to notice little changes happening, so I will discuss all those um obviously very relevant to aging women is to do with our menstruation and the cessation of our menstruation um and how that can impact us physically and mentally. Now, I am neither a doctor or anything in that field. This Everything I talk about just comes from my own research. I'm not talking about the sort of the internet Facebook warrior research type thing. I'm talking about just reading up on all the symptoms I had, what I was having, how I was having it, and then going with loaded to the doctor with sort of more information about what I was dealing with and having a good discussion with her. Um, very lucky to have a great doctor uh, on board or, you know, she's my GP has always been wonderful and listened to me very well. So in that sense, I am lucky. But the first thing I suppose I want to just hit, um, touch on the, I got a few comments in the comment box I put up about aging and one of my favorite ones was um a friend said the older she gets the less people ask her about having children she doesn't have children and i found this really interesting and i i find i've always been fascinated with that side of 
womanhood is the expectation that we should produce children, next generation, etc., etc. Now, I will put a caveat in that I love children. It was never a question that I was going to have children. Um, I, you know, from the time my brother was born, I was 13. I loved, you know, I went on to be a um, childminder for a few years and I loved the kids that I worked with, but the parents were the problem. Um, and then I got pregnant with Ted when I was about 28. So I wasn't sort of jumping into motherhood, never really had the the um, the, ch the chance, I suppose. That's for another podcast. But uh, I'm very I was very happy to be pregnant. I mean, in inverted commas, it was not planned, but then I didn't do very much to not not plan it, if you get my drift. So, yeah, he was welcome and I felt I was a good mother. I made mistakes and I'm, you know, always hold my hands up and say that, but show me a parent who doesn't make mistakes. Um, we're all doing our best. And then I had Macy four years later um, and again, wasn't not planned, but yeah, didn't even, the father didn't even hang around, hang around for the pregnancy. So having children was always something that I wanted to do. And uh, I suppose if my life had gone a different way, I would have liked to have had more children. Absolutely. Um, I don't dwell on it. I'm very, you know, I had a boy and a girl perfect you know one of each and yeah I don't dwell on it but I suppose as a 52 year old you know I'm starting to have in the back of my head the fact that maybe you know are there going to be grandchildren in the in the near in the future um I always remember my daughter saying from Jeannie from the time she was young saying she didn't want to have children Now she's really good with children she likes children but she said from then um she's kind of changed recently but I still think I would support anyone who said they didn't want to bring children into the world either for personal reasons or for the impact on the world you know obviously I would love to be a grandmother I think I'd make a really good grandmother and I've been told that you know before but um I will also respect and stand by whatever my either of my children decide to do in the future. So, um, yeah, I found that interesting because that expectation is always there. And I don't think it's even changing. It's still very much a taboo subject. Women who choose not to have children. Um, but I do know, and I've said this before now, I will say before I say it I adore both my children I wouldn't have it any other way but if I had my time again with the knowledge of how hard being a parent is I would question having children I see people and friends who don't have children and I think now there's some who wanted children and couldn't have children I, I'm not referring to those people I'm referring to just making the choice not to when you have a choice isn't that a great thing so sometimes I'm like oh imagine not having that you know the sort of the stress of being a parent in the back of your head and as someone who is a bit of a warrior I think 
when your children go into adulthood, it, they become more of a worry because you sort of, a worrier is a controller. So you sort of lose a bit of control when they become adults. Um, and that's not a good thing. I'm not saying we should be controlling our children. But yeah, I've always thought, you know, some sometimes I think, mm, yeah, those those without children, their life is a bit freer mentally anyway. Um, so that I found that really interesting. There were two others that asked about perimenopause and another one that asked about vitamins and supplements. Um, I'll put them together, uh, talk about them in a minute. And then there was another one, um, a, a lady said, it's just a privilege to be able to age. And I absolutely agree with that. Uh, my mother's mother died when my mother was only three. And all through my life, I've heard mum saying, you know, once she got past what her mother's age when she passed away, I've heard my mum saying, it's a privilege for me to be alive now. And, you know, that's always been not drummed into me. It's something I've always heard. So I've, I do, I find it very much a privilege to be where I am and the age I am at now. Um, and I actually, to be honest with you, I quite like being 52. I quite like the freedom that that's giving me. Expectations are lower of you than when you're in your sort of 30s and 40s. Well, that's my, you know, that's from my perspective. Um, It's something I wish that I could go back and tell 20-year-old Clarissa that, you know, you get to a certain age and you're just like, the freedom starts to become part of your life and I don't know whether that's just because my children have left the nest and you know I'm not as sort of I suppose I'm not as tied down to them um but I think you settle into yourself I think I can feel that that's what's happened with me I've settled into myself and who I am and what I am um I I've done a lot of work on myself, I suppose, in the past six, seven years, particularly. And although I felt I was very self-aware, I was also very insecure and always wanted other people's reactions and, you know, what they thought of me. I fed off that. Whereas in the more recent years, I've, I can feel that dropping away. And I think that is an age thing from what I've read about aging um it's yeah it's it's quite a weird thing you just become more I wouldn't say confident I'm, I'm not sure I will ever be the most confident person I obviously I still have issues and I talk about them very openly on my Instagram my weight is a big thing with me but the more again to do with the weight the more I'm aging the more I want to lose weight for health reasons and not as much for aesthetic reasons as in oh I want to be able to wear that dress or I want to be able to wear you know something looking nice on me but flip that over you actually the difference between now and 10 years ago there's a lot more clothes available in bigger sizes and nice clothes so you're not trying to wear you know a sack of an empty sack of spuds you know you you can actually dress up quite well so I don't know whether it's 
chicken and the egg or the egg and the chicken in that sense. So anyway, um, I'm going to just talk about my experience about menopause, perimenopause, etc. Um, anyone who's following me on Instagram will know that last July, July 2020, I had to have a full hysterectomy, which was the last thing I expected when I went in to see my doctor, the gynecologist six weeks earlier before that. I uh, Honestly, it was never anything that had ever crossed my mind. It was never anything that ever been mentioned. But over the years, I've had sort of various um, problems with cysts, ovarian cysts. And last this time last year, actually, last January, I got the most severe, severe pain in the bottom left hand side of my belly. And now I've previously had kidney stones and actually that's what I thought it was. And I'm still not convinced that it wasn't that. But by the time I was scanned, I had a CAT scan sort of a day and a half, two days later. By the time I had the scan, I think the stone had moved. But between the jigs and the reels, they found that I had another cyst. So they brought me in for an ultrasound and it was an eight centimeter cyst, which actually doesn't sound very large. But anyway, it was a reoccurring cyst and I had had one removed previously. So I think the gynecologist just thought, look, this is a woman who doesn't need her uterus anymore. So we'll just get rid of it. Um, I'm going to rewind a little bit back to the start of my menopause journey. It's a little bit, uh, a, a little bit confused because I, six, seven years ago, I went down a road where I had to have um, some major surgeries done on my feet. And due to the pain that I was in, I was in chronic pain, I was on quite heavy medication, pain medication. For the first sort of year before I got my surgery, I was on tramadol, regular tramadol, and a daily sort of tramadol. Luckily, I never developed um, a, an addiction to it. I definitely had a dependence on it, but I was able to wean off it eventually. But that's another story. I'd love to do a chat actually on opioids. But anyway, um. It's really weird because over that time, I thought I was having symptoms of sort of side effects from taking tramadol, opioids. So I would have what I thought was a tramadol side effect. I was having hot flushes. Um, my mood was very low. Obviously, my mood was low anyway because I was struggling with chronic pain and things like that. And I was kind of just all putting it down to pain and to you know, being on the opioids and not having, you know, much else going on in my life never even occurred to me that it could have been perimenopause. So, as I said, this was sort of six to seven years ago. So 45-ish, you know. Um, Moving on, rolling on, I had a couple of surgeries on my feet, which took sort of a year to recover, to, to get better. And... About two years ago, this time two years ago, number one, I noticed that I started to have some hair loss. Um, but even more importantly, 
I noticed that my mood was swinging like one of those big Viking swings at a fun fair. Um, I was going from being in good enough form and then I would suddenly have this swing in mood and hit a real low. And I just was like, what the hell is going on? And as someone who has suffered from clinical depression previously, again, I will talk about that and mental health in another podcast, but I knew it wasn't depression. And that's the weird thing. I was like, this is not depression. It's not, you know, it was very different. Um, I was having a bit of anxiety my sleep pattern was all over the place. I was, my body was full of aches and pains. I mean, joint aches and pains, like just everything ached, ached all the time. And then these mood swings. So I decided to start doing a bit of research. And again, the old Clarissa brain, uh, you know, of 20s, 30s was still there. So I had never, it had never entered my mind that, oh, well, this could actually be perimenopause. And then something struck me. I think I was watching something and on somewhere, social media, and I thought that sounds a bit like the symptoms of menopause or it's, you know. So I started doing some reading up on it. And there's a fabulous site called the Menopause Doctor. Well, she's on Instagram, but she has a site she's in England and she has the most up-to-date information on the menopause, on HRT, etc, etc. So I started doing some research. I started looking up symptoms of menopause and perimenopause. Now, I will just put in here, I had a IUD, an IUD, Marina coil, in place, which meant that for the past 15 years, I've had, I was on my third one, so the past 15 years, I have not had any menstruation. It stopped it altogether. Very luckily, it was actually, I did actually get it initially for extremely heavy periods and it stopped it. So I I can't, I couldn't say to you, oh, um, I, you know, my periods had gone all over the place or they've gone really heavy because that side of it, there was nothing to, to talk about. So that's the downside to having a coil in place because when you start to come up to menopause or perimenopause you you haven't got that to sort of say well there's one of the 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 things that they say you know it's one of the big indications that you're entering perimenopause and menopause is you start to have erratic periods if you don't already so that was taken away from me so but I had all the other symptoms I had so many of the other symptoms the mood swings the aches and pains the just feeling just not myself um the lethargy all those things but again as I said I'm very good at self-awareness mental health wise um physically and I knew it wasn't depression. I was just like, this is not depression. So I ticked all those boxes and I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to speak to my doctor about this. So armed with um, everything I'd read up on, I wanted HRT in patch form, bish, bash, bosh. So went to the doctor, chatted. Actually, I couldn't get to see my the female GP who I would normally see but saw the male GP and he was great as well. And he said, look, I'm going to have to speak to the female GP. She's 
sort of the queen of hormones and you know all this sort of stuff and we'll see what we can do for you so she rang me back the next day and said right what we're going to do we have to put you on a combined patch so I was put on because I still had the coil and I still have my womb um I was put on what they call combination HRT so for two weeks I had estrogen only and then for the other two weeks, I had estrogen and progesterone patches. And this is because it would be really dangerous because I still have my womb to not put the progesterone in to stop the lining of my womb or to let it line. Anyway, so that's what I was put on. And within a few days, the aches and pains were gone. My mood started to lift. It wasn't as swingy. Um yeah I just felt sort of oh my god you know I feel more like myself again so that was two years ago and I was on the patches then for those two years but then I got this pain last year rolling on went to have a scan and was called back two weeks later to see my GP or the gynecologist went in sat down and I thought because the uh, radiographer had actually told me that there was a big cyst on my ovary so I went in and sat down he said yes yes he was looking at his notes and then he looked up at me and said I think we're going to do a full hysterectomy and I just looked at him and I was like what because I was expecting him to say we'll do some surgery and remove the cyst again and I was kind of like oh why and he said well at your age um and because you are you know peri or menopausal it's not really a good idea to leave these things um, and it's better to just take it all out. So six weeks later, I went and had my full hysterectomy. Um, it was not an issue for me to have it done. I, I can hand on heart say that I had no feeling of grief or I wasn't mourning my womb because there was I mean there was definitely never going to be a chance of any other children I was definitely more or less finished you know menopausal if not menopausal so it actually was a relief to me believe it or not to have it done and I know that sounds a bit weird but uh, you know to some women out there listening will be going wow but it actually was because it removed a lot of the more stressful sort of um issues that women can have for me as in it removed the the threat of ovarian cancer my cervix was removed so obviously no cervical cancer um womb uterine cancer all that was gone all the you know so i i don't have to have a smear again now I did actually read, funnily enough, and I do have, to, I will one day speak to my doctor. But what I have um, instead of a cervix is, is called a, I think it's called a vault. And there is a question that maybe if I have had, which I have, abnormal smears before, that you still have to get that part of you checked. But I might not have to because I think I had everything just taken out. So there shouldn't be anything there that can cause anything to go wrong um so i had the hysterectomy and i went straight onto estrogen only patches i went on to 50s first there's a, there's milligrams so you have 37 and a half milligram 50 75 and 100 and to start with i was on 50 um 
Oh, I just didn't feel great after after my recovery from the hysterectomy, which, by the way, was it was a long recovery for the first six weeks. It's like do zero, nothing. Um, and it was painful, not going to lie, but it actually was OK. It was manageable. So I noticed when I started moving and getting back up again and moving around and being more sort of physical that the some of the old symptoms had come back. Now, don't forget, I was put into what they call surgical menopause. So that's what happens when you have a hysterectomy or if you've had your ovaries removed, you're, it's called surgical menopause. So you're bish bash bosh, you're straight into a, like full blown menopause. Um, and funnily enough, the surgeon who did it was a female surgeon, an older lady, lovely, lovely lady. But her her recommendation was only to stay on HRT for four years, which is absolutely discounted now. Like the most up to date information says if you are a menopausal woman, you stay unless there is a reason that you're not to a medical reason. You stay on HRT for the rest of your life. I'll get to that in a minute. Just to finish off the story about my HRT. So one of the other things that's happened this year, I don't know whether it was due to the pandemic or what, was that there suddenly was a shortage of HRT patches of any kind. It. I felt sometimes I felt like what I think uh, someone who's got a sulpidine addiction would be like. I was going around to different chemists in Wexford Town here where I live, trying to get the patches that I needed. Um, but so I was putting sort of a 37 and a half, two of them together. Um, but I did notice my symptoms went up. So I spoke to my GP and she said, we'll go on to 75 and try that. Tried for about a month and still wasn't feeling great 100%. So I now, for the past three months, I've now been on 100 milligram patches and they absolutely are perfect for me. There's no issues with them. I feel as good as I felt back in my 30s. Um, I have no, no, no issues at all. I've no pain. I don't have any joint pain. My moods are fairly they're okay. We are in the middle of a pandemic, so it's not to say they're wonderful and I'm sort of dancing through tulips or anything, but definitely it was the right dose for me to go up to was the 100. Now, in a few years, I might go back down to 75 and then back down to 50, but I will stay, if I can, on some sort of HRT for the rest of my life. Um, And I, again, I'm not a doctor, but if you want to do more reading up on this, visit the menopause doctor on Instagram or website her website and she talks about why it's important for women to stay on it. It has been proven now because there's so much research. All that old stuff from 20 plus years ago about, oh, HRT can cause breast cancer. That's all been debunked, like with the menopause or the vaccine for MMR causing autism it's been totally debunked because they have so much brilliant research they have like every week they're finding out more and more benefits to women staying on hrt and the benefit to you it benefits you stops you getting osteoporosis it can stop you developing dementia it helps with heart function and stops you from getting heart disease you know 
you know, all these things that it's so good for you to actually have HRT. But we will always have that little thing in the back of our heads, won't we? What if it causes, you know, this and that and the other? Look, apparently the percentage, again, you read up on it because I'm, that's what I did. But the percentage of women who develop breast cancer who aren't on HRT and the percentage who are on HRT, there's not, not really any difference. Like it's, you know, it's been shown now that it's actually you're more likely to be protected from that sort of disease because you have that good hormone in your body. Again, there are women who are hormone sensitive. There are women who have like a propensity to breast cancer, so they can't take HRT. But on the whole, discuss it with your GP and hopefully you will be able to get it. So that's where I'm up to now. I am I am wombless and it's grand. Like it's absolutely fine. I yeah. I, I feel great. I feel really good and well and healthy. Um, I had a what they call a vertical cut. So I was cut from my belly button down to my pelvis, pelvic area. Um, that gets tender still, you know, after a day. But it's all to do because it's muscle, isn't it? So it's all repairing. So, yeah, that's there you go. That's my experience of perimenopause and menopause. Don't discount feelings like people think, oh, menopause happens when you're in, you know, late 40s, early 50s. But perimenopause can start 10 years previous, you know, so you could have you could start to have various symptoms in your 40s of perimenopause. And if you notice a change in your period, if you notice a change in your mood, if you notice a change in your you know, how your body feels. Don't always put it down to other things. Add that little thing about perimenopause in and just do a bit of reading around it. It's really worth it. Um, and I think we're very privileged in 2020, you know, in the these this time, that we do have access to really good research and to really good information to do with the menopause and per perimenopause. So, Go and have a read if any of this is, you know, if you've suddenly thought, geez, I've been feeling that way for a while. You know, it's worth reading. Also, just to finish on the menopause bit, menopause is when you have not had a period for 12 months. So you're, if you do get periods and it stops and you don't have one for 12, 12 months, you are officially in menopause then. But you can actually take be given HRT in perimenopause because what perimenopause is is your estrogen is declining. That's all it is. It's your estrogen is starting to decline, so you can be given a bit of you know a bit of support to help you get through that. So there you go. That's um that's that bit on menopause. Now someone said asked me about vitamins and supplements. I'm not a huge person on vitamins and supplements because I one of these people who believe we should get most of it from what we eat. Um, but I did start taking and I still take it. I think I got it in Tesco. I think it's called Well Woman. Um, and there's one that has 
got omegas three six and nine in it as well so it's just got some good you know it's a basic sort of multivitamin but with the omegas to keep your brain healthy um i also since the pandemic kicked in i was taking vitamin d but i actually take d3 now because it seems that that's a better source of vitamin d to take it's very important to make sure and keep your body moving i am so happy um i took up the 100 days of walking challenge with news talk so i have been walking every day and I, i'm it's actually becoming a habit now this uh, the, today would be it's the 24th of january today so t- today would be 24 days um haven't been out for my walk today yet but anyway i'm loving it so i'm going to continue i think i'll probably do 365 365 days of the year yeah that's it i think i'll try a name for that or 360 so that gives me a few days off anyway um that would be my hope and just try and keep your body moving another thing for us aging women that's very important is muscle health now i haven't been great at this since i had my surgery i was going to a gym and doing some great weights up until well, this time last year, I suppose. And then because I started getting a lot of pain and issues and stuff, I stopped going. But I bought myself some dumbbells recently. So I'm going to actually start just doing some arm lifts and weights, just as well as my walking to just get your muscles working. Our muscles decrease as we age as well. So it's really important to keep those muscles working in whatever way. Your heart is a muscle. So keep that working by getting out for your walk. And then, you know, some weights for your arms, that sort of thing. I sound like I'm so zen and perfect. I'm not. I <laughs> I bought the weights about two weeks ago and I haven't used them yet. So this is a reminder to me to get those weights out. Um, and the other thing I've started doing is actually finishing off my shower with 30 seconds to 40. I'm going to build up to a minute, but 30 seconds cold. And apparently, again, that's very good. It creates a protein in your brain that can help protect your brain from from dementia type diseases. So those are just my little things that I've read along the way and picked up on. Um, so that's that about that part. Um, yeah, as we age, our bones shrink, our muscles shrink, all that sort of stuff. So it's not really doesn't sound very great but you know we're empowered women now and we can do what we need to to stay strong and fit and healthy we don't have to age like the women you would have seen sort of 50 years ago um and start wearing headscarves and pleated nylon skirts i mean where do they even get them i've often wondered like seriously where do they still where do they still get them from because Oh my God, with the elasticated waist, you know the ones I'm talking about? Um, And then you've got those sort of nylon-y pull-on trousers. Oh dear. And that was another thing I wanted to actually start talking about, is the whole clothing thing as a woman. When do we have to start wearing our hair shorter? When do we have to start wearing more age-appropriate clothes? But what is age-appropriate clothes? Like... I look at my mother and I said this last week, she wears jeans, she looks great in them. So why 
you know, if you read up on what women should wear in their 50s, 60s and 70s, one of the big no-nos is do not wear jeans. Why? Why? What are women meant to wear? Slacks? I think that's actually probably what they do think we are meant to wear. But why should we, you know? Why shouldn't I wear a hoodie? Oh, dear. I don't know. Um, I shall continue to keep wearing what I wear. Uh, so the other thing, I suppose, is relationships as an ageing, as an ageing woman, as we age. Um, I... I think PJ and I have really settled into each other. I think we're, you know, we kind of just, like, I'm not going to lie, the the latest, we're in the third lockdown now, and it hasn't been as easy as the first one. But as I said to someone the other day, PJ was out, sitting out, doing outside stuff the whole, the whole way through lockdown one, whereas lockdown three, we're in the house a lot more. You know, he's bored. He's, he's someone who needs to be doing something all the time, you know, which is great. There's a lot of stuff has been done in this house, but he doesn't deal well. And he's a real social animal as well. I'm an introvert. That's the other thing I'm loving about my ageing is that I the expectation to be more sociable is really depleting in me. I don't feel I should be going out there and partying. Well, no one can at the moment anyway but you know I don't feel I have to be that person anymore I just feel I can stand up and go no I actually don't want to do that and why should I um and that sits better and more comfortably with me than it did years ago (laughs) you know even 10 years ago I I mean I even remember as a teenager going into my 20s my 30s the expectation of having to go out and be sociable and be around people and that don't get me wrong when I'm with people I enjoy being in their company but my god let me alone for a couple of days afterwards because I just don't do you know that's the thing about introverts is we're you know people go oh you're such an introvert but actually the thing about introverts is we're not it's not that we're unsociable and that that's a horrible thing that's been labeled onto put on the label that's been put onto introverts is that we are unsociable no we're very very sociable but we get our energy from being alone so pj would be an extrovert so he gets he gets energized from being around people and being, you know, out and having a laugh and having people around him. I get my energy from being alone and having my my own time, but I can go out and be sociable as well. Does that make sense? But as I said, aging has meant that I'm more comfortable in saying I don't want to do that. You know, the expectations so I think I've covered most of what I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm going to end this podcast with a quote, and I won't be doing that every week, but it's a quote I was looking up. I googled ageing and women, and this really nice um, page came up of quotes from famous women about ageing. Um, I mean, I have no problem with, like, I don't, I'm not, I'll wear makeup if I'm going out, but I've no problem with me lines and wrinkles. And I'm not the biggest fan of 
good as good skincare routine. Uh, it happens now and again. I do try to moisturize every day at some stage in the day, but that would be about it for me. But um, I love this quote, uh, and I think it is so apt for so many of us and it really hits back into what I said in my first podcast and what I was trying to say in this is that I actually don't feel I'm any older that mentally than I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s I actually don't I just am more relaxed in who I am now so this quote is Maya Angelou um the very famous writer and there's some beautiful quotes from her everywhere but i particularly liked this one where she said i am not convinced that most people do not grow up we may and dare to have children we marry sorry my writing we marry and dare to have children and call that growing up i think what we mostly do is grow old We carry accumulations of years in our bodies and on our faces, but generally our old selves, the children inside, are innocent and shy as magnolias. And I love that because I actually really do think that that is exactly describes me to a T. I haven't grown up. I've just aged. I'm growing older. So I'm going to end on that. Um, And don't forget, if I just say, if you like this podcast, I got some lovely feedback from the last one. So thank you for that. If you enjoyed this one, please let me know. Um, And it would be great if you could share it and tell your friends. And, you know, just that's the way to do it. And rate it on whatever you watched or listened to it on, watched it. Um. And I will be back this time next week with another episode. I haven't decided what the what I'm going to talk about yet, but um, it'll be something, something over. I don't know. I'll put it up on on my Instagram, Clarissa Explains Life, um, during the week, and I'll put up a question box again if there was anything anyone in particular wanted to talk about. So for now, goodbye. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.